Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Blake Brogan. He's the Senior Wealth Strategist at Money Insights. Welcome to the show, Blake. Hey, Jordan. Uh, Very happy to be here. Looking forward to our conversation today. Just give us a little background on your background and how you led to where you are today. Sure, I'll start. I've always been interested in business and in finance. Um, Starting early in college, I I, I was looking for um, a a college program that that could further me in business. And I went to one of the uh, only schools at the time that was teaching uh, uh, an entrepreneurship program. So I studied entrepreneurship all throughout college, um, and it was actually some of my professors, um, as well as a couple other individuals in, that were my classmates who had used some financial strategies to, to grow the, the businesses that they had going on the side. Um, and so I just started implementing uh, some of those financial strategies in my own life that I had learned uh, during, my, during my years in school. And really since then, I've, I've kind of made a career out of just teaching uh, and educating people on financial strategies that might be a little bit outside of the mainstream, um, but can be very powerful. So one of the strategies you use is called infinite banking. Uh, people may be familiar with that. They may not be. Why don't you just to define what infinite banking means? And we're going to go into more detail about how it works. Yeah, sure. I'll give you like the 30,000 foot, foot view. So if someone um, is primarily creating their wealth, um, in maybe what you might call the alternative space. So this could be business, it could be real estate, could be you know syndication investing, anything that you're investing to produce cash flow. The typically what happens is individuals are building up capital in a safe, liquid place, which typically tends to be a bank account, right? Then as they find an opportunity to go invest their their capital in a place that's going to produce cash flow, they just liquidate that bank account, they put it into the real estate, the business, or whatever they're doing to create wealth. As that, as that engine kicks off, kicks off cash flow, it just kind of goes right back into the bank account. So what infinite banking teaches you is not how to invest any differently than what you're doing. What it really does is amplifies where the money is sitting in between deals. So obviously we love banks for the safety and liquidity, but in today's markets, we're not really getting any interest. And then when you, when you factor on inflation, your dollars are of course losing value when they're in the bank accounts. So infinite banking is just a process that that optimizes where those dollars are sitting in between in between your deals. So you can create the same safety and liquidity, but additional growth. There's some creditor protection, higher rates of return. Um, and, and there's other benefits like like leverage that you can use within those accounts to actually get your money growing for you in multiple places at the same time. So that's kind of the high level overview of, of why people are using this, these infinite banking strategies. So you, this is a strategy where your money is actually growing in two places at one time. Explain how that works. Yeah, sure. So the, the, the specific account that we're using is a very special type of um, life insurance policy. Now, it's not insurance for the, the fact that, oh, you're, you're utilizing it primarily for the death benefit coverage. But when you specialize in, 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 in designing policies to build up what's called cash value very quickly, essentially what you're doing is you're using this overfunded life insurance policy as the, as the vehicle to, to store your cash in between, in between investments. So you put your money into these life insurance policies. As I mentioned, you know, you can get uh, right about up to a 5% rate of return. There's tax advantages. 
right? But those, those rates of return aren't necessarily knocking your socks off, right? We can hopefully do better in the investments that we're doing. But let's say you're a real estate investor or a business investor. So you can put your money into these overfunded life insurance policies. And then whenever you want access to the, to the cash that you've built up in the policy, as opposed to actually liquidating your money, taking it out of the account and going to invest, what you can do is you can borrow against, or you can essentially leverage that account. So very literally, you put your dollars into this strategy, you can earn, again, that 5% tax-free rate of return, and then borrow against that policy in order to use, you're essentially using that, that account as collateral. So now we have access to either bank money or money from the insurance company, and then we go out and do the deal that we were going to do anyway. So you're just adding one step, essentially, by utilizing, utilizing the policy. So you borrow against it or you leverage that policy. So what happens is now all of your money stays in the policy, earning that 4 to 5% tax-free rate of return. And additionally, now we have access to capital to go do the investments that we were going to do anyways. So as opposed to just building up cash in a bank account, liquidating that, and then going to get whatever rate of return that you're getting in your business or you're, you're investing, you're utilizing this policy as a way to kind of hold your cash in between deals leverage that policy. So now we have all of our money working for us in the life insurance policy, and we're getting those investments that we were going to invest in anyway. So very literally dollars are, are, are creating value in multiple places at the exact same time. Now there is going to be a cost for those loans. Uh, I assume it's a lower cost than you're earning on the policy, but typically, and it's typically probably going to be indexed to prime rate or some kind of an index. What, what kind yeah, of you, people would hmm. ch be charged on those loans? Yeah, that's a great question. So as I mentioned, um, you know, your policy is growing by about a 5% tax-free rate of return. And then we're going to be charged somewhere, depending on what company you're using, somewhere between that, that 4 to 5% range as well. So this is where we talk about there's, there's, a, there's a big uh, difference in the type of interest that we're earning versus we're paying. So in our policy, we have all of our dollars staying there in the account growing and they're earning compounding interest. Now, on the same time, as we borrow money from a bank or from an insurance company, you know, we can get interest rates as low as, as 3%, 4%, but let's just say they're the exact same. Let's say we're earning five and we're paying five. So on the surface, you're saying, you know, what exactly is the advantage to doing that? Isn't that a wash loan? Well, really it comes down to the type of interest that we're earning versus that we're paying. So our money remains in the policy growing with uninterrupted compounding interest. And then when we borrow against it using the bank or insurance company's money, you know, we're, we're paying them back on a, on a simple interest payback. So if you want to know more about this, um, we, on our website, we have videos that kind of break down um, some of the numbers behind this, this arbitrage that we can create between compound and simple. But let me just kind of give you a, a, a frame of reference for what you're going to see when you, when you go there. So we, we have an example on there where let's say we have $100,000 growing in our account and that's earning and, and growing with compound interest. Well, over 20 years, that account's going to earn $165,000 of interest if it's earning 5%. So we, we grow our account from $100,000 to $265,000 over those, over those 20 years. Now, on the flip side, we borrowed $100,000 and we paid that back over 20 years. Well, the cost to us was $60,000 to do that. So we have a $60,000 cost and $165,000 growth. So simply by utilizing this policy to finance the investing that you were already going to do anyways, in that example, we created an additional $105,000 of wealth had we just used the, the, typical, the typical way. And that's only, you know, earning five and paying five. There, there's ways to leverage these, these policies to create some additional efficiencies. But, but really, this idea of compound versus simple interest allows us to create a lot of wealth. So when you're 
keeping your money in the insurance policy, your cash value is growing in a compounded way. The earnings you're getting are being reinvested themselves. That's the compounding going on. Whereas when you're paying interest, it's not compounding against you. You just pay simple interest. That's the difference between what you earn and what you pay. That's a very important yep. difference, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Yep. So when we put money into the policy, it remains growing, compounding. There's interest being earned. There's dividends being earned. And essentially, as you mentioned, Jordan, those are kind of being reinvested, you could say, in a way back into the policy. So everything's growing and compounding there. And when we borrow against the policy, we have complete autonomy over when when we pay those dollars back. But as long as we're at least making the interest payment on an annual basis, so you borrow $100,000, let's say your interest rate was 4%, as long as we're making those $4,000 interest payments on an annual basis, our, our dollars remain, or our loan, I should say, remains on a simple interest payback. So that's where we can create that arbitrage and have our dollars really, really working harder for us uh, using this strategy. But the money that you're borrowing out, you have to be pretty conservative. Say you put it in the stock market, the stock market's plummeting now, and you're losing money on that money you took out. That's not a good way to, you have to make sure you have enough to pay the thing back, correct? Yeah, that, that would be the ideal. So there's multiple ways you can do it. When you take a policy loan, this is what we, you know, we refer to these as policy loans. When you take a loan, you, you have total control over what you do with those dollars. So you could go, um, you know, really do whatever you want. You could buy a car, or go on vacation. The way that we teach it is that that's obviously not necessarily the most advantageous way to do it. So if you're going to use it in a stock market type of situation, can it work? Maybe, but you, of course, run those risks that the stock market goes down. Um, and then obviously you don't have the, the capital to repay the loan. So that's not ideal. The ideal people for this strategy are ones who are using it for the alternative space, whether that, again, real estate, uh, businesses, maybe oil and gas, you know, things that are going to produce cash flow are really the ideal uh, investments to be using um, with a strategy as opposed to the, the long-term buy and hold type of stock market type of investments. So you want something that's producing probably monthly cash flow like rents from real estate or oil and gas sales, because you do need to generate the money to pay the interest on the loan. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, that, no, that's exactly right. So, I mean, you could pay it out of pocket, but in, in terms of actually utilizing the strategy to build more wealth than you would have otherwise, uh, yeah, using something that's going to produce either predictable monthly, quarterly, or at least an annual cash flow is, is really the ideal situation for this. And that's something you would help people look at different alternative investments or places to put the borrowed money? Yep. So we have a podcast, the Money Insights Podcast, if you want to check that out. But we've essentially built a community. So we're, we're active in, in working with people who are either syndicators or investing in the, you know, people who are in the alternative space. Uh, we also bring on a lot of clients onto our podcast to kind of share how they're using this strategy and others that we've um, helped them implement. But yeah, our community is where you could find a lot of those um, investment type of opportunities. Is there a minimum dollar amount you need to make this work? Not necessarily. We, we kind of have a bottom threshold of about $10,000 a year would be what we would say. So we, have, you know, on average, people are, are utilizing this strategy, 50, 100, up to really a million dollars a year are going into these into these policies. What, what we're trying to do is essentially capture dollars that are going to go into the alternative investing space anyways and utilize those dollars to, to try to capture them into the policy first before they go into the investing that they're going to do, just because mathematically it, it's more advantageous to do it that way. So we don't, we don't start and say, hey, here's a suggested amount. It's more of, hey, if you're looking to invest 
$100,000 this year into the alternative space. How do we how do we capture those dollars, get them into the policy first, leverage those to just make your investing that you were already planning on doing more profitable? Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Blake Brogan. He's the Senior Wealth Strategist at Money Insights. You can find out more about him and his firm at moneyinsights.net. We'll be back after this. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors. Our crowd analyzes companies across the global private market, selecting those with the greatest growth potential, then bringing them to you. From personalized medicine to robotics to cybersecurity, where companies spend $150 billion a year, our crowd is identifying innovators so you can invest when the growth potential is greatest, which is early. Our crowd is the fastest growing venture capital investment community. Our crowd's invested, accredited investors have already used the platform to invest in over $1 billion worth of growing tech companies. 21 of the portfolio companies are unicorns. And many of our crowd's members have benefited from over 50 IPOs or sale exits of portfolio companies. Now you can invest in Sotero, which has developed a patented new approach to data protection that eliminates the gaps of traditional methods, securing any data asset, whether it's on-premise or in the cloud. Sotero is trusted by one of the world's largest pharmaceutical companies. Explore Sotero's potential at OURCROW.com slash answers. You can join our crowd for free at OURCROW.com slash answers. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at rcrowd.com slash answers. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's gonna be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is gonna be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not gonna be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's MyPassiveIncome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Blake Brogan. He is the Senior Wealth Strategist at Money Insights. Uh, you can find out more at his firm's website, which is moneyinsights.net. Welcome back to the show, Blake. All right, Jordan. Happy to be here. We were talking about infinite banking. Is this something that all insurance companies do, or are there some specific ones that do it? Who, who, who allows people to do infinite banking? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So obviously when we say insurance, um, you know, this could be home, auto, uh, even in the life insurance world, most most insurance companies are going to be primarily focused on the protection aspect of of whatever they are protecting. So it will, in in this alternative or in this you know infinite banking type space, what we're not necessarily looking for are are prote- uh, products that are focused on protection. So what we're actively doing are looking for special type of life insurance policies that can convert premium dollars essentially to cash value uh, as quickly as possible. So the cash value is really our alternative opportunity fund for the investing that we're, that we're already planning on doing. So when it comes time down to, to what type of companies are, are doing this, so even in the life insurance space, you know, there may be over a thousand life insurance companies here in the U.S. There's probably only about a dozen or so that would even have, have policies that are generally geared towards towards building up cash value and lowering um, the protection aspect. So these are what are known as mutual life insurance companies. So in in the life insurance world, there's really two types of companies. There's stock companies and mutual companies. And really what it comes down to is who's the owner of those companies. So with a mutual life insurance company, the owner of the company are are the policyholders. So the policyholders are paid uh, dividends on an annual basis. So the profits of the companies go to these these special type of, of policyholders. These type of policies that we're talking about here for infinite banking. So essentially, we're we're actively uh, looking and searching and and comparing really the competitive. Um, companies that are in the space and the products that they can offer. And again, we're, what we do at Money Insights is solely focused on turning our, our, um, our, uh, you really, our consumers dollars into cash value to use in conjunction uh, with that investing. So would I recommend just going to your, your neighborhood life insurance agent and say, Hey, I want to open up an infinite banking policy. Really, they're probably either one, not going to have relationships with the companies who do this. And two, they're not going to really know what you're talking about. Or even if they do look it up, they're not going to be able to, to have the specialized design of the policies that are going to maximize the, the, the dollars and the growth that we can achieve from those. So really there's probably about a dozen companies that you could use. And, and then we are active in, in looking at really the two, three, four, five best companies on a, on a, on a, you know, on an annual basis. And it's not all mutual companies. Some of the big ones, Northwestern mutual, mass mutual, they don't do this kind of thing. Right. So it's tends to be smaller kinds of mutual companies, right? Yeah. So we, they, they do, those companies would have policies. Mass Mutual specifically would be a company that we would look at using. Um, so they have very high cash value type of policies that you could use in conjunction with this infinite banking strategy. Um, there's a couple others, but yeah, Northwestern Mutual and Mass Mutual, those would be two of the biggest names out there. Uh, do we think they're the, the absolute best? No, but Mass Mutual certainly um, would be on that list that, that we'd be looking at. So what are some of the companies that you do, do tend to use? So one of the companies that we use is uh, Penn Mutual. 
uh, out in Pennsylvania and mass mutual would be another one that we take a look at. Um, guardian would be another one that we take a look at. So there's a handful of companies that we're actively using. And again, we're pretty hyper-focused on u- using these policies for one specific strategy. Um, at this time, Penn mutual tends to, to work out best. Um, but, but there's a couple other companies that we're, we're always looking at. So what's the long-term say you start the strategy in your forties, say, and you're mm-hmm. in your 70s and you've been building up cash value for many years. You've got some loans outstanding. Is the mm-hmm. idea to repay the loans and just have the cash value keep growing or keep taking out loans? What's the kind of long-term strategy you're trying to do here? Yeah, that's an awesome question. So we really think about it in in kind of three phases. So phase one is when we're active in building our wealth. So in your example, Jordan, if, if we're a 40-year-old, we're going to continue to invest for at least you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. We're in, we're in phase one. So essentially what we're doing is utilizing these policies in conjunction with the investing that we're already doing to try to maximize the returns that we can get out of our investments. Then let's say, you know, we're, we're getting to age 70, I think you said, um, and now we're, we're wanting to start spending down some of those dollars. So we've used this as our opportunity fund for investing. Now we're at an age where, hey, we're kind of done or we want to shut off the valve of actively uh, investing. Now we want to just start taking passive income during retirement. Well, we can turn that cash value that we've built up. Let's say we've built up a couple million bucks of cash value at this point. We can just turn that into a kind of a passive income stream. So you can take that money out of the policy with the idea that you're never going to actually repay the loan or, or, or put the money back into the policy. We're just using it for retirement income. So one of the really the fascinating parts about this is, in phase two during our what you would call quote unquote retirement years we can take money out of this policy completely income tax free so what it really turns into after we've been utilizing this policy for investing for a couple decades now we've while we're doing that we've kind of built up a second bucket of money that we can pair with all the other assets and and um you know kind of buckets of money that we've built up and we can just turn it into a very tax efficient income stream um, that we can use just kind of in conjunction with with all of the different investments that we've we've made and all the wealth that we've been able to accumulate you know during our working years and so one of the unique parts about that is okay but like how how does that work? How can we, you know, take out money from this policy? We're utilizing loans. We're taking our money tax-free and we're living, you know, on it for 20, 30 years. How, what, what happens there? Well, keep in mind, we have this death benefit. That's, that's what we're going to use to repay, repay those loans. So when you pass away, all those loans essentially are, are repaid and your heirs would get what's ever left over in the death benefit tax-free. So that's kind of like the, the third phase is the legacy phase. So again, the three phases we're, we're accumulating wealth. We're using this as our opportunity fund for investing. Phase two, we have a completely tax-free uh, income stream that we're able to generate. And then the third phase is this legacy phase or this death benefit, which passes on to our heirs income tax-free as well. You can't go too far though, because if you borrow too much and death benefit doesn't cover it, then you could have an issue, right? Absolutely. And so that's, that's certainly something that you would never want to have happen because to your point, Jordan, if, if you did um, take out too much money and the policy collapsed on itself, there would be a, a, a probably a, a very large income tax bill due the next year. So we never do that. So we use policies. And again, this is kind of the benefit of working with people who specialize in the strategy. We, we work with policies um, that have riders on them that are no lapse riders, essentially. So we actively are looking at the policies each year, how much money we're taking out. But then if we did get to a place where we kind of leveraged it too far, um, these riders can kick in and at least keep the policy in force so that we in, 
that we don't um, have any uh, taxable event. So, so that's something that's certainly there to keep in mind. That's something we actively do for our clients. And then we also put in guardrails to, to make sure that's never going to happen because you certainly wouldn't want to ever lapse a policy while you're living. So what would that mean? No, no lapse rider. You, you, you're not allowed to lapse. Explain how a no lapse rider would work. Okay, so let's say let's say you've built up a million dollars of cash value, and uh, at, at your age 65, and you turn that into let's say a sixty thousand dollar tax free income stream that you've lived on for 30 years. I'm not doing the math necessarily as quickly in my head as I thought I could, but let's say you you have a million dollars of cash value, and then that allowed you to generate two million dollars of income during your retirement years because your policy continued to grow and earn dividends and, and things like that. So you've taken out a million dollars more than you've put into the policy. So let's say you get to that point and and you're living a lot longer than you thought that you were living, and you can't take any income out of the policy. So there's riders on these policies that that we use. Um, that would say, okay, if we got to a point where, hey, the policy could collapse, you know, this rider's going to kick in and keep the keep the policy in force. Now, would we be able to take any more income out of the policy? No, we we certainly wouldn't. However, the death benefit remaining in force is what allows everything to work in a tax-free manner. So just to be kind of clear, it, it works in some ways like a Roth IRA, where after tax dollars are going into the policy, they're growing tax deferred and we're accessing them tax free. So it's all tax free on the back end. As long as we keep that death benefit in force, all that, that death benefit will go to pay off any policy loans that we have outstanding upon our death and then our heirs get what's ever left over. So keeping that death benefit in force is, is very crucial and there's riders that will essentially allow you to, to guarantee that the policy uh, will never lapse. Is this going to be threatened by Congress at all? I mean, people are looking at ways that rich people are getting away with not paying taxes. Would this be a nice juicy target for Congress to go after? Yeah, people said that nothing's really changed um, since really the 1980s was the last time. And really, these these type of policies became very popular. Um, so there were some guardrails put in uh, in the 1980s by Congress to essentially say, hey, you know, wealthy people are putting so much money into life insurance and they're not putting any death benefit on this. You're just essentially using this as kind of a tax haven. Um, and so what, what essentially they said is, hey, you got to have a certain amount of death benefit on these policies if you're going to put in so much cash. So after that took took force, you know, all policies that were placed in force before that time were grandfathered in. Um, and so that's what we would expect to happen. So these policies are are, are all grandfathered in. Um, and even if Congress would change them, you know, that would be unlikely just because they, they like these death benefits paid. That means there's there's less money that need to go, you know, from from government subsidies to, to take care of people. They prefer that to be done in the private sector. And then historically, um, as I mentioned, you know, all these are, are essentially grandfathered in. So as long as policies are started in force today, we don't really see anything that could that could change those going forward. These are the so-called MEC limits. Is that what you're talking about? The yep, uh, that's ex yeah, that's yeah, you, you, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, you've done your research. So, so essentially, let's just say, Jordan, I wanted to put, you know, a, a mil, uh, let's call it a hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm a forty-year-old male. Uh, there's MEC limits to say, okay, based upon your age, your health, your gender, what is the least amount of insurance that you could uh, have on a policy? Uh, and that's called the MEC test or modified endowment contract. So the way that we design policies are right up to that MEC line in order to maximize the cash that we have in the policy and minimize all costs as much as possible. Very good. Okay, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Blake Brogan. He's the Senior Wealth Strategist at Money Insights. You can find out more about him and his firm at moneyinsights.net. We'll be back after this. 
stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Blake Brogan. He's the Senior Wealth Strategist at Money Insights. You can find out more at his, uh, his firm's website, which is moneyinsights.net. Welcome back to the show, Blake. I'm excited for the conversation to continue on here, Jordan. This is a lot of Tell fun. A little bit more about Money Insights. What kind of a firm is it? Do you deal with people all over the country? In addition to this infinite banking we've been talking about, just tell us a little bit about what the firm offers. Yeah, so we're a strategic wealth building firm. We, we really focus in the high income um, earner space. So kind of our tagline is taking high income earners from, from high income to high net worth. Uh, so what we what we exist to do is essentially teach people who are high income earners and and who are who are looking to kind of grow their way wealth in in ways that might be a little bit of al- alternative ways or they're just looking to supplement um, some of the things that they're doing in the more traditional space whether those be four one k's IRAs um, Roth things like that so really for anyone who who's a high income earner looking to kind of grow their wealth uh, and do it in in some unique ways in in using some unique financial principles. Um, uh, we're, we're there to serve them and, and teach them how to, how to do what they want to do a little quicker. And you do this all over the country in person or by online? How do you do it? Yeah. So we're a totally online company, uh, completely virtual. We work in all 50 States and we've really been that way for about eight years now. Uh, we kind of stopped meeting with people in person. So we work on, you know, we do a lot of zoom calls just like this technology is pretty amazing. Um, and so we, we, you know, we were doing things like, like this and, and having virtual meetings, um, you know, well before COVID hit, but we we've kind of seen as, as that transition has happened and people are just becoming more comfortable, um, on zoom and, and doing their meetings virtually. Um, and so we've kind of seen the explosion of, of growth from that. But yes, we're able to meet with people uh, in all 50 states. 
So a key part of the small unfriend banking is to have a place for the money that you're borrowing to produce regular cash flow. And there are three particular areas you do. The first one is real estate. So it talks about what kind of real estate syndications and product projects you have that would be a good place to put that borrowed money. Yeah, so we, we are not like a, a real estate syndicator in and of ourselves. So we, we, have, a, we have partnerships with different uh, syndicators. Um, so we, we work with, with groups really all over the country. Um, and these people could be, you know, just in, in apartment buildings. They could be uh, mobile home parks or self-storage, things like that. So really any of these uh, major conglomerates, if people are looking to, to, to invest in more of a passive way, um, you know, we're utilizing these strategies in conjunction with some of our partners. So we're not actively saying, hey, if you put your money in this policy, these are the deals that you need to be doing. Instead, we've just built a community where, where people can find a lot of these deals uh, so that once they have their policies established, you know, they can uh, listen to our podcast. They can meet some of the people that, that, we, ha- that we run events with um, and find deals uh, kind of through our community that way. And what kind of returns, cash, cash on cash returns, can people typically get from the real estate syndications you offer? Yeah. I mean, those, those certainly vary. I mean, it depends on what they're doing. I mean, somewhere between the eight to 12% kind of range is, is what we can find. Now there's also some, you know, that that's more on the cash flow uh, side of it. There's also some appreciation uh, depending on the type of things that you're investing in that you can see there's depreciation um, that, that can be used, especially for high income earners to kind of offset some of the income taxes that they're earning. So there's, there's multiple factors that, that go into it. Um, you know, but pretty consistently in the in the high single digits to low double digits is is typically what what people are gathering. And of course, that's that's not guaranteed. It, it really very much depends on uh, the type of investments that people are doing. But but that's what we see a lot of our clients are are, are using these strategies to to try to go accomplish. And the second category is oil and gas. What kind of syndications are using there? And with oil prices so high, does that make these more attractive? Yeah, it can. It can. Again, the, the, the people who are utilizing the strategy are, are doing so in, in utilizing these investments for, for cash flow. So if you're investing in oil and gas, I mean, there's, there's many ways to invest. If you're using this purely for an appreciation play, um, you know, you don't necessarily need the opportunity fund. It's, it's why this strategy doesn't necessarily work as well with stock market, more buy and hold type of investing. So can you create great wealth in the stock market? Absolutely. But, but money's not flowing in and out of a, an opportunity fund, right? It's more of a buy and hold for the, for the long term. So utilizing the infinite banking concept, it, it's more, we want to use these policies to, to go leverage them and go invest in things that are going to create cash flow. So where people are most comfortable investing is really where we're pointing them to, to do it. Again, we're, you know, we're not saying, hey, you have to use this policy in conjunction with this certain investment. It's really where people are, are already finding their investing. So they start with, hey, I want to invest in these type of these type of assets that are, you know, going to create cash flow, the appreciation that I can earn, the, the depreciation I can use, uh, you know, against taxes, things like that. And then utilizing this strategy just to really do those type of investments better. And then the third area you use are business, where people invest in businesses for cash flow. Explain how that works a little bit. Yeah, so it might be businesses that that you're out looking to to purchase. Um, a lot of our clients are business owners. So, for instance, let's say uh, you need to have some business reserves, right? 
you got to have reserves on your business. You want to expand your business. Well, sometimes, uh, you know, depending on, on the type of companies that, that you're working with, it, it might be hard to just, just go get more financing. So this is a form of self-financing. So like, for, exa- for example, you know, one of our clients uh, that I was just speaking with earlier, he's a, he owns a lot of e-commerce businesses. Well, sometimes those e-commerce businesses are hard to value. Um, and, and he's, he owns a, you know, a portfolio of about 20 of these. And so anytime he wants to go get bank financing, you know, that can be a challenge because they want to see the books on, on all the businesses. And, and why does it make sense for, for them to lend against those businesses essentially? So he can use these policies. He puts, you know, significant six figures a year into these policies, builds up the cash value. Then whenever he sees an opportunity to go purchase another e-commerce business and put it as part of his portfolio, as opposed to going to outside lending, he's using uh, you know, this strategy to go finance those things. So he uses that to, to go uh, purchase another business. That business starts creating cash flow. And then where does that cash flow go? It just kind of goes right back into the policy. And so what's strategically happening as you repay those loans is now we have more capital to go out and go do this process, do this process again. You had talked about an opportunity fund. Do you have a fund that people use that goes into many different strategies uh, that's done for them? Yes. Yeah, so when I'm using that term opportunity fund, what I'm essentially saying is, you know, if you're, you, money's got to be stored somewhere before you go invest, right? So again, most people, you know, if they're actively looking for investments, they're building up capital uh, in a safe liquid place that they can access so that whenever a deal comes by, you know, they can jump on that. And so people typically are using bank accounts, right, for that, or money markets or, or checking accounts, whatever the case may be, which have safety and liquidity, but, but no benefits beyond that. So that's their opportunity fund. It's, it's where you're storing essentially your dry powder before you go invest. So when I say the word opportunity fund, essentially what these strategies that we teach are, are suggesting is, hey, why don't you use a place where we can get the same safety and liquidity, but we can get significant growth, we can get tax advantages, we can get creditor protection, we can get a death benefit that we really don't have to pay for in any other way. And, and then we can leverage those as well. So when we say opportunity fund, it just say replacing where you're storing your money before the, before you go out and execute on the deals that you were planning on, on doing anyways. On your website, you talk about something called the capital avalanche. Is that what we've been talking about? Or is that something else? Yeah, that's something a little bit different, but it, again, it uses the same, same type of things. Um, so we're, we're, we do a lot of work in the insurance space. So the capital avalanche is a, a strategy that essentially, let's say, um, it really can have multiple purposes. Let's say someone is a high income earner um, and they can't contribute to a Roth IRA, but they love tax-free, um, they love tax-free income or, or want to start generating tax-free income in their life. The capital avalanche is a way that they can contribute to something that has all the tax advantages, but just create a lot more, a lot more income than they could um, with just like a Roth IRA or something like that. Or, or maybe again, going back to this business owner idea. Maybe you're a business owner who has some lazy money and you need to have it safe. You need to have it liquid, but you want it to do more for you. You don't just want it sitting in bank accounts. So you want to have some access to that money. Well, you can use, use the strategy. So what the capital avalanche essentially does is use uh, what we call conservative leverage. So it's using a special type of insurance policy or system of policies. Um, but what we're able to do is, is use bank financing to essentially do more with, with our dollars uh, than had we not used use the leverage and use the financing. The reason we call it conservative is because debt and leverage, you know, that, that can be a two edged sword. It can be a great tool to build more wealth, but it can also, you know, kind of, kind of sink your ship if you're not careful with it. Well, really the assets that we're using in conjunction with the leverage is what makes this capital avalanche strategy so, so safe and so secure. 
It's because we're using insurance policies that have contractual guarantees. They're going to grow at a certain amount each and every year. We know how those policies are going to grow, right? They can't lose, they can't lose value. So as long as we're able to, to, to grow our policies by more than what we're paying on the interest side, we're essentially able to take dollars that were lazy or are geared towards retirement and, and generate, you know, on average, a, a, you know, somewhere in the low teens to mid teens uh, rate of return on these policies uh, u- using this capital avalanche strategy. In addition to the capital avalanche, you talk about the retirement accelerator. Is that also related, but sl- slightly different as a strategy? Slightly different. So the the retirement accelerator would be, um, you know, more of what you would consider traditional premium finance, if if you're familiar with that or or your listeners are. So essentially you're utilizing um, you're utilizing outside assets, posting those as collateral in order to to generate um, life insurance policies. So that would be more primarily more um, estate planning. So if you have a very high income, high net worth individual who wants to do some estate planning, they want to create, you know, maybe eight figures of, of life insurance death benefit to pay off estate taxes or whatever they want to do with their lives, but they just don't want to pay those high premiums that it costs. You can use things like the retirement accelerator um, to, to essentially allow, allow leverage to, to take place and uh, create policies and create um, death benefit that you wouldn't be able to, to do in other ways. Do you think that uh, taxes are going to keep going up? I mean, there was a proposal by uh, President Biden to have a 20% minimum tax on wealthy people. Um, do you think something like that might happen eventually? You know, I, certainly with the way our, our country's spending uh, and, and we look at where, where, you know, the debt that we have outstanding, in my opinion, taxes pretty much have to go up in order to, you know, to keep this whole operation running. What they go up by, I, I truly don't know. Um, so, you know, especially for people who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, um, and are looking at, hey, we're going to be on this earth for, you know, Lord willing, a few more decades. Uh, putting your money in places that are tax advantaged and can take out tax free. Um, if if I look at where our country's going and where I believe taxes are headed, every time taxes go up, it, the the more money I want in that tax free bucket and be able to access tax free. So these strategies get all that more pow- uh, powerful after that. And there's no limit into how much money you can put. There's a limit to how much. You have to buy insurance uh, protection, but there's no mm-hmm. in the amount of dollars you can put into these strategies, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. So the, the limitations are based upon um, either income or on net worth. So they'll maybe allow you to put 25 times your income, depending on your, your age. So if you have a million dollar earner, you would be able to put 250,000 a year into this or one times your, your current net worth. So just depending on a couple factors, but essentially as long as you can get by that financial underwriting, yeah, there, there's no IRS limits to how much you have going into these policies. We have clients who are putting seven figures a year into these policies. So there's no IRS limits. It really just depends on on your income and, and getting through the, the financial underwriting uh, for this strategy, essentially. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Blake Hogan. He's the Senior Wealth Strategist at Money Insights. You can find out more about everything we've been speaking about at their website, moneyinsights.net. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? 
Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Blake Brogan. He's the Senior Wealth Strategist at Money Insights. Uh, You can find out more at their website, moneyinsights.net. Welcome back to the show, Blake. All right, Jordan. When you, start off, when you start off with a new client, you go through what you call the F3 assessment. Explain what that means. Yeah, so it's uh, really the F3 assessments for anyone who's kind of interested in, in some of these strategies. Maybe you want to go down the uh, alternative investing route. Uh, you want to learn about how to use how to use leverage to kind of accelerate your way uh, towards towards financial freedom. You can go to our website, that's moneyinsights.net, as you mentioned, and then check out the F3 assessment. The F3 assessment will just ask you some some very basic questions, kind of where you are, uh, your kind of your attitude towards using uh, different financial principles to, to grow your wealth uh, and really allow you just to give, get, give you an assessment of, of where you are uh, and then kind of give some goals as to where you're trying to go. And then at the end of it, uh, you get a score. So that score, you know, based upon, you know, that your answers can put you into a couple different categories. Uh, and then we kind of have a whole assessment uh, kind of follow up that comes from that. You can see, uh, you know, where you place and, and how you could kind of grow your wealth, uh, maybe some ideas to grow your wealth a little quicker or, or more safely. Um, and then after that, you um, could reach out to someone on our team. So if you are someone who is interested in some of these strategies, you can check that out, fill out the F3 assessment. Uh, you'll get a lot of free resources at the end of it, uh, and then an opportunity to speak with uh, someone on our team as well. I'd just like to get your general appraisal of where we are in the economy and the markets right now. We've had a big rise in the stock market for quite a while. It seems to be going the other direction right now. Interest rates have been rising. What, what is your outlook for the economy and the markets right now, just in general? Yeah, generally speaking, you know, we, we've been on such a surge for so long um, that you, it, it, I just get the sense that something has to break at some point. I mean, we're seeing the stock market go down right now. Um, you know, one of the challenges that we're going to face is with the debt, uh, the national debt being so high, you know, the rise in interest rates uh, make it very challenging to kind of repay that debt. Um, so we're at a time where, you know, I don't exactly know where we're going, but it just doesn't seem like everything's, uh, you know, totally stable. So looking at kind of where we're going, uh, that's why, you know, we were talking about this in the last segment, Jordan, but, but it's my belief that taxes have to go up, especially uh, you kind of look at, at where we're going politically. Oftentimes it's the higher income earners, higher wage earners that are, are being called upon to pay those taxes. So especially for individuals in that situation, um, you know, finding some unique strategies on not ways to avoid paying taxes, but how to position your wealth and, and utilize your wealth in a way that um, can create some tax advantage growth and, and some tax deductions, um, I think is all the more powerful right now. What do you think about inflation? Some people are saying it's peaking and 
maybe we've seen peak inflation is going to start going down. Some people think it's going to accelerate more from here. What is your outlook on inflation? I, I hope it's about to the point where, where you know, it, it's where it is right now. It doesn't feel like it can go that much higher. Um, but certainly the way that we're trending, it, it just seems like, you know, there's not a ton of slowing down. Uh, can I flip that question on you? And I, I, can I hear your thoughts on it? I think it's going to keep accelerating because of what's happening with the war and all the supply chain disruptions and the worker shortages and the um, wages being built in. So I think a lot of companies have to raise prices to pay for the higher wages. I think it's really being built into the system right now. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the, if you just look at, I mean, I, I don't go, you know, I'm married. I don't go to the, the grocery store a ton. My wife does most of the shopping. We went grocery shopping just the other day and I was pretty astounded by some of the prices that we were paying. I mean, obviously I see gas prices going up, uh, but it's really just the, those basic, those basic necessities that you're seeing, you're seeing prices rise. So hopefully we can keep it a little more steady, but it certainly seems to be trending up as you, as you mentioned, Jordan. What do you think of the implications of uh, much higher interest rates? If the Federal Reserve is going to be aggressively raising rates here, uh, what are the implications of that beyond just interest rates? I mean, there's been a lot of leverage put up in the system. What happens when interest rates rise over a long time period? Yeah, well, hopefully we're that that's able to control inflation. I mean, I know that's probably one of the reasons that they're they're raising it is to try to get inflation a little bit under control. At this point, I don't really know because I mean we, we've printed so much money. I mean, we were on you know unprecedented spending spree um, that was even pre-COVID, and then COVID happened, and obviously um, you know we just opened the floodgates even more. I'm not saying that there there weren't reasons to do that, but just the end result as we sit here in 2022, looking back, you know, we opened the floodgates uh, kind of in the cash that was being distributed. So we have a lot of money in circulation now. I'm sure that they need to uh, raise those interest rates just to at least try to keep inflation somewhat under control. Uh, but, but certainly it doesn't look like uh, we're headed for a, for a very soft landing, put it that way. You also talk a lot about estate planning. Everything we've talked about with infinite banking is part of it, but what are some of the other things in general people need to do to do estate planning people think of that well that's only for very very wealthy people uh the exemptions high enough doesn't really affect me but what is your view of what people should be doing on estate planning yeah, I'd, I would say that certainly estate planning isn't necessarily just for, for the ultra wealthy. I mean, maybe for the, the absolute lower class, that, that's not necessarily what they need to be focusing on. But even for middle class, upper middle class individuals, um, estate planning is important. So that could be, you know, some people might be more legacy minded. How do I pass on my wealth to my the church or my, the charities that I care about or my children? Um, but estate planning can, can take all different forms. Uh, you know, we work with a lot of people who um, are are fairly high income earners and, and they've, uh, you know, created a lot of assets. And then depending on where those assets sit, the type of trust and, and all the, that they've, they've, they've established, you know, they might have some income tax or some capital gains tax that's going to come uh, upon their passing. So no one really wants to plan for estate planning. You know, it's not necessarily the most fun thing to do, but one of the, the kind of unique things that our firm takes is, Hey, how can we, how can we plan for estate planning issues just kind of in conjunction with what we're already doing. So we're not saying, hey, set set funds aside necessarily purely for estate planning. No one really wants to just do that necessarily. But how can we use how can we use some certain strategies, use leverage, uh, use permanent life insurance in very unique ways to not only enhance the investing that we're doing, but also create some some large windfalls that are going to come, um, you know, back into our lives upon our death uh, that can be used for a whole you know variety uh, of issues. So do you think that the limits will come down uh, and the tax rates on estate planning will go up? So it'll be you know, 
more more uh, expensive to die, I guess you might say. Yeah, I, I certainly do. Um, you know, our exemptions are extremely high, uh, just historically speaking, right now. Um, so for individuals who are like you know, I'm I'm under twenty million dollars of of net worth. You know, at that point, you might be thinking, you know, what am, what do I need to do? Why do I need to do any planning? Well, you know, things are set to phase out. I don't know exactly what year, but um, here in the next decade, certainly. Um, so so looking at, hey, you know, where do my assets sit? How do I have my estate plan? What, what kind of trust do I have uh, established? I think it's really important because, you know, Congress can, can get together, stroke a pen and, and change, those, change those limits, change the rates that we're paying. And then all of a sudden, you know, people are going to be scrambling. So I think certainly um, what you said is going to be happening. And so proactively planning and, and setting up some strategies around that is, is very important to be doing right now. In the roughly three minutes we have left, why don't you kind of summarize what difference would make in people's financial lives to do the infinite banking strategy we talked about at the beginning? Sure. So that's, yeah, that's good tee up. So really there, there's three primary benefits I think to people who are doing this. So if you, if you're, you know, a business owner, real estate investor, um, someone who's just looking to <clears throat> replace their income with some passive cash flow, there's a lot of investments out there um, that you can use to generate wealth, generate cash flow. The really the, the the core benefit to this to this strategy is investing um, in a more optimized manner. So if we can have our dollars earning one rate of return, that that's great. But if we can use leverage and use leverage in a conservative way, that allows us to have our dollars working for us in multiple places at the same time. The benefits are just are just unbelievable. And so you know this strategy um, you know might not be completely widespread and, and certainly everybody's not doing it. <clears throat> but as you start to kind of find communities and pockets, sometimes. I, I really what I hear all the time is people say, Blake, why didn't I not meet you 20 years ago? Or why have I not been doing this? Because once you kind of understand the math and, and what's really happening, uh, there's really a no brainer reason to be using using the strategy in conjunction with your investing. There's the retirement tax free income piece. So if that's what you're interested in, there's there's certainly some benefits there. And then the legacy and estate planning as well. So there's really, you know, benefits to this strategy all throughout um, your, your life cycle. So for people who are interested, uh, we have a bunch of free resources. I would check out moneyinsights.net. We have an education center. We have our F3 assessment, uh, but we have a lot of free information, kind of overview videos. If you're a video learner, we have books and, and articles that we post there as well. So feel free to check that out uh, and see if some of these uh, strategies are for you. Well, thanks so much. We've learned a lot about infinite banking and some other topics. My guest this hour has been Blake Brogan. He's the senior wealth strategist at Money Insights. You can find out more about Blake and his firm at moneyinsights.net. We've learned a lot. You've been very helpful. Thanks so much for being a great uh, interview on the show. Yeah, happy to be here, Jordan. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answers Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. You can follow the Voice America Business Channel on Twitter at Voice 